Welcome to the Real Estate Woman's Podcast. Thanks for pulling up a chair to our roundtable discussion. Here, we'll teach you how you can create a stream of passive income through multifamily investing, and we'll help you to shift your mindset so you can start living the life you really want to be living by design today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Passive Investing Podcast by us, the Real Estate Women. I'm Colleen. I'm Crystal. I'm Candy. And I'm Tamara. In today's episode, we would like to do a deep dive, keeping the conversation in-house. Today, Candy and Crystal would like to share their personal experiences about investing in multifamily properties as limited partners, otherwise known as LPs. Since investing as an LP for the first time can be intimidating, we thought it would be helpful um, for you guys to know about our own real estate women um, and how they got through the butterflies and took the leap into real estate. So ladies, I don't know who wants to go first, Candy or Crystal, but let's hear about why and how you got into this space. Crystal, you want to go ahead? Uh, yeah, sure. So as far as um, my whys for investing passively as a limited partner, um, I was actually in a bit of a pickle at the moment. I was really super active as a, just a active investor, you know, buying and holding um, had just sold one of my three family properties, the first three family, first multifamily I ever had bought. I was in the middle of doing a 1031 exchange. Um, everything seemed to be going really great on a 16 unit in Texas that we had under contract. Closing was shortly. And then the next thing you know, out from under us, um, there was miscommunication by um, the person that was, oh my gosh, their words escaping me, the wholesaler. And the wholesaler and the seller had some kind of miscommunication that was not related to us. So the seller had actually sold the property out from under us. And we here we were ready to close in like a week. Um, so the 1031 failed. And here we are with this huge capital gain bill that we're looking at for selling this property. And we were like, gosh, what do we do? And we talked to somebody that we know really well in the multifamily space, trust really well. Um, and he was like, well why don't you invest passively? You guys have a little bit longer. It was December. We had before the year ended to, you know, make that passive investment to help us offset that tax burden because we would be able to utilize the depreciation of the property um, to offset the uh, capital gains taxes. So that's why we, that's what got us first thinking like, Hey, yeah, why don't we do this? Why this is a good time to make our first LP investment. And of course, the fact that, you know, we are starting our journey, wanting to become syndicators um, on the GP side, facilitating the deals. I felt my husband and I both felt that it was super important for us to know um, what it's like for the LP investor, what it's like sitting in that seat and wearing those shoes to go through all of it. So it was definitely a twofold reason that um, I decided to make my jump into the LP. How about you, Candy? I, a quick before I tell uh, my little blurb, um, I have a question. So, the property that you invested in, did you that you ended up investing in? So, was that a larger property than the sixteen unit that you originally was going to purchase? Uh, much yourself? larger, much larger. It's um the one I ended up passively investing in is a three hundred and ten unit property in El Paso, Texas. So much. So that, that's like the universe really taking care of you in that because you've got much larger depreciation. There's a lot of benefits for you in that larger unit than it would have been in the 16 unit. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. There's um, 
not to mention the lack of work that I would have to do in all the tax benefits. So it really helped the bottom line with that tax bill for sure. It was a godsend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I got into limited partner being a limited partner. At first I was holding my, my funds to, to do exactly what Crystal was originally uh, planning on doing is purchasing a multifamily unit um, myself with some other partners. Yet uh, an opportunity came to me. I'm not an accredited investor. So in order for me to learn about a multifamily property to invest in, I have to have a, a pre-existing relationship with that person as a, because I'm a sophisticated investor. And that's just, you know, understanding the risk involved in investing in real estate and, and private investments, which is what this uh, real estate investing is for non-accredited investors. And for myself, I had this money sitting there and in the bank, it wasn't beating inflation. It was actually the power of the dollar was going down. And I'd been looking for a property for about six months and I decided, you know, um, I had done all sorts of different learning about passive investing and also learning about past what is a passive income. And I was doing, I was creating other businesses, which is not passive. <laughs> you know, we're kind of taught that that's, you know, oh, create another business and then let that be your passive income. That it takes a while. I mean, I've, I've had my own business for, for 31 years. And so I know, you know, it, it was just not working. And I saw, okay, so here's an opportunity where I had met these, um, the, the people that were part of this team. I had watched them in meetups. I met, that's how I met them. And they reached out to me and said they had an, an investment opportunity. And um, they sent me over the information to review. And in the process of reviewing it, you know, I, re I, I looked at it and I looked at the numbers, um, evaluated it. And the biggest thing for me was that, you know, these guys had experience um, mm -hmm. and I consistently saw them on meetups and they were the same people in the meetups that they were on the conversation with me. There was no, uh, the just transparency was so there. And so I chose that, yeah, for my first limited partner um, investment, I would like to invest with these guys. So um, that's how I got involved in, in that particular investment. And it was, I felt nervous. I did have the butterflies, you know, even when I wired the money, I was like, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right, are these the right people? And, you know, they really were, it was a very good property and, um, and it's performing well. So um, I'm really glad I did to have that experience uh, to, to know what it's like. And that's what Crystal, isn't that you were touching on that too um, earlier before we started recording about, you know, another reason why you invested as an LP in regards to being, um, getting that experience to know what it's like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I believe I had mentioned it a bit. I thought it was really important because, um, you know, it's, one thing to be the person running the deals and whatnot. But if you've never been in that investor's shoes, I felt it would be kind of hard to relate. But knowing like I felt those butterflies, I felt that as I hit the button, oh my gosh, my hard-earned money, is this the right thing? Am I doing this for the right reasons? Am I investing with the right people? All the things you said. So yeah, it's definitely um, a huge reason that I did it and super important. So Candy had talked a little bit about, you know, the things that she saw in the group that made her feel comfortable with investing with them, right? Like they were consistent. She consistently saw them at meetings. They were the same people in meetings as they were outside of meetings. 
Crystal, how about your LP experience? What made you feel comfortable enough to wire tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars to somebody? Yeah. Well, it was definitely a personal relationship that I had um, with the person. It was someone we had met early on in the space. Um, Ted and I are accredited. So um, it was a it, it wasn't an issue of whether or not we had to be, but I wanted it to be someone that we knew. And he has tons of experience, had gone full cycle on a few deals before, which, you know, bought and sold. He had the track record. He was a great team. And, you know, he had actually, it was his, he's the one who was like, oh, you know, it's because we had told him um, just casually talking about the predicament that we were in. And then he's like, well, have you, thought of um with the 10 the failed 1031 exchange and it was like well have you thought of just you know investing that passively because that's still gonna you know alleviate this the tax burden but this way you don't have to have your money tied up and kind of just laid out the whole thought behind well and if you do a 1031 exchange you're you're um kind of essentially prolonging the taxes because in the end you have to pay those sales paying taxes even if you keep 1031 1031 for 20 30 years eventually when you sell that last property that tax bill comes due but when you do something like invest in a passive investment well you do pay that tax bill but the depreciation you're receiving from your investment offsets it especially um, in my situation where i'm a full-time um, real estate professional so for my situation, he helped me connect a lot of the dots. I was like, oh my gosh, that made sense. But, and then of course, Ted and I were like, well, now we have to find a property, find something to invest in. Um, and we had looked at a few deals. He had showed us one that he had um, as well in that one. Not only were the numbers great, it led back to the comfort that we had um, with him. For sure. and, you know, well, thank with, you for that. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> the touch on you know the difference between um you know someone that's a real estate uh correct me up well she's accredited but uh, a real estate professional and the tax yes. status you know when you're filing your taxes mm -hmm. you have to qualify for that so as in a comparison i think it's really great that you know crystal has that um so that she can use a lot more tax advantages where mm -hmm. i i don't qualify yet because of uh you know my other business uh, disqualifies me at this moment and I don't have enough hours to qualify. So I wouldn't be able to, as a limited partner, I wouldn't be able to take advantage of the same tax advantages that, that Crystal. So that's why it's really important to check with your, your accountant and yes. see what you qualify for. So you don't believe you're going to receive all of these tax benefits that you're hearing a lot of people talk about because it is on an individual basis. Um, it's not just like check a box and therefore I get this. It really is on an individual basis. And, and I want to really stress that because I personally, that was one of my experiences is that I didn't understand that, you know, that requirement. So I was expecting to get a lot more tax benefit than what I really did. And it was, it was a little shocking. And I, and I like to be transparent when I talk to people about investing and where you are and, and where you are financially and all of these things uh, taken um, into consideration. So this has all been valuable uh, information. And I think our listeners hopefully are getting a lot out of this. Um, I'd like to not dial it back, but, but to put in the shoes of someone that's starting, like, cause we're mentioning a lot about like our relationships and networks and that you've seen them in meetups, you know, 
what we what do we want to share of where would someone start? Where would they make these relationships? Where would they go? Where would they find the meetups in their area um, type of deal? That's that's a good question. I know for me, um, I I love meetup.com. That's one of the first places, you know, you go on meetup.com and that will show you all the local real estate meetups. And then Facebook is also huge because you can find your local real estate groups. And that's a good start to find the, you know, find the space, find out where everybody in your area is. Um, if you want something local or, you know, things like listening to podcasts, all of that, mm -hmm. like if you want to learn, educate yourself. And as you're educating yourself, you're going to see the people in the space that know what they're talking about. And that's a really a good place to get to know people. I agree completely. And the, the cool thing about, see, I live in Cape Cod. And, and so there's, there's no, <laughs> to go to a meetup, the closest meetup when I first start entered into this, the space is two hours away, one way. So it would be an entire day to go to an hour meeting. It was just, you know, not, not feasible for, for me. So I love meetup.com because when you go into these, uh, into these meetups, it's usually sometimes they'll have speakers, but then they also have networking and it can be intimidating at times. Mm -hmm directly if you're new and just type in the chat that you're new, but you're, you basically are going into a, a zoom meeting and it's people that are experienced and they're new people. There are more people that are new in there than you might realize. And I, one thing that I found in the space is that those that are experienced and, and in most spaces I've seen those that have experience and see people that are eager to learn, um, you get so much information. I mean, I love teaching people about this. I can talk real estate, multifamily all the time. And, um, you know, so please don't be intimidated. Just, you know, let people know your level. Don't try to act that you're at a different level than you're at because you'll be able to see through it pretty quickly. Um, because when we feel like we know um, people that are familiar with the space, we start breaking down for uh, naturally uh, into these abbreviations, LPGP, and you're right. going to get lost really fast. Right. So, um, but, you know, and always just ask questions. And, and honestly, don't invest until you feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, that, that's really a big thing. There is going to be a time where you're going to feel like, ah, you know, like when I was about to hit that button to wire that money over, um, you know, there was like, am I doing this? But at a certain point, you do have to take that leap of faith. But knowing that you've done all the due diligence up until that point, that's what you trust. So you trust yourself in doing the, the due diligence before that. And our previous uh, podcast before this we really talk and, and, and do a lot of, give you a lot of information so that you could just go there to, to learn out, like, how do I do this? I really I think too that um, post post COVID there's um, there's so many opportunities opened up because of not traveling and zoom and, you know, not that there's not things in your local, but then that's where I think there's a lot of opportunities out there, even, you know, nationwide, for people to join and um, not that we're promoting any per certain thing, but just platform, but just to let them know that there are resources out there and you don't even have to physically go to like a networking or a meeting. So one thing I wanted to add to when you're searching through meetup is make sure you put in multifamily. Because if you don't put multifamily in the search, you can end up going to or attending a, a real estate meetup that is nothing but, you know, another um, single family um, or self-storage. 
everything has its own individual uh, nuances that you, you have mm -hmm. to understand. Real estate is just a broad topic. So narrow down in your search and saying multifamily, and you would be amazed at the numbers that you um, will come across and go to different different meetings, because that's another way that you're going to be able to kind of weed out like, oh, look, there's that person. I just saw them over here in that mm -hmm. meetup. And you'll see the consistency of the same people showing up. And you're going to be seeing that those are the people that are really in this space and take it seriously uh, rather than someone that just shows up one time. It's, it is a small world and you will see the same people over and over again. Um, and that and that's something to to really take into consideration um, to, when you're when you're searching for your meetups as well. Okay. Well, then I think we should also touch on the fact that while meetups are great and they're definitely necessary if you're maybe a non-accredited investor, um, for those who are accredited out there, they're making you know three, four, five hundred thousand dollars or more a year, and they just don't have the time for a meetup. There are certain investments that they can get into that are advertised. Um, I mean, I feel like you should always still know that person, not just blindly invest. Yes. Um, but, you know, there's there definitely are some some advertised ones out there that if you just get into the right Facebook groups or online groups that are are advertised. And, I, you know, I would always suggest that you still reach out and get to know that person. Um, but there are those people that don't have time to go to a meetup every week just to look for a deal like that. So. Um, you know, there's kind of both sides of that coin. You just have to know where you fall if you're accredited or not accredited. That's a that's, good point. Yeah, that's a really good point, Colleen, because I know for me personally, too, like, I don't right now have time for meetups. Would I love to be going <clears throat> to meetups? Absolutely. I have a five-month-old, a four-year-old, you know, with business and all this other stuff. There's just no time to get ready, get out of the house, go there, come back, just that time alone. So I know that it's also really a great idea to as you're online, like Candy said, you have to make sure, be specific about what kind of real estate. But while you're on there, figuring out and learning what it is that interests you in real estate, you're going to find different things. Maybe the same way you found this podcast, maybe the way you found other podcasts or other groups. Asking the question and the way you educate yourself is going to be a good way to find out and learn and see the people that are there teaching. That could be that could be a very good way. And, and ask questions like, where else can I go? Um, so if you guys had any specific questions, you guys can always reach out to us, check our, our website, email, all that stuff. LinkedIn is also another really good yeah. place that you're going to be able to find, particularly if you're accredited. Um, it, it's a underutilized tool that really zeroes in on professional. It's all about business. And, uh, so sometimes Facebook can be, I don't know, for myself, it's just a little overwhelming because you have to feed, sift through a lot of. Um, you know, personal things for um, to get to the business. Um, and I found that LinkedIn really can just hone right in. Um, and LinkedIn, you, you'll see um, some advertisements, but Facebook, usually for accredited investors, they, they do um, put those in there. But again, just like, you know, uh, one said, you want to check out your team. You don't just want to like respond to an ad. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> so um, getting back a little bit to personal stories, um, can you talk a little bit about the communication you guys receive from the operators every month or quarterly or however often that is? What kind of information they feed you back, what you should expect um, to hear from them and how often? You want to go first, Candy? Sure. So um, the first 
the first um, year I got quarterly updates. Um, um, we we're doing a, it was, it's in Georgia is a value add, which means, uh, the apartments are being, um, updated, new countertops, paintings, new flooring. Um, so something is kind of considered to be what you'll hear in the industry called as a light lift. And, um, the cool thing that I really liked about these guys is that they would send, um, images, uh, like a video link to their YouTube, private YouTube channel so that every time a unit was, was completed, they would walk around and show you. And obviously awesome. for sake of time, um, you know, when you're doing those types of renovations, usually you do just about every apartment with the same thing. So they didn't do every single apartment because you'd just be seeing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But they right. did show images so that it was real time so you could see. And um, and they said during the, the process when I was talking to him before investing in the deal, is that please, if you have any other questions or you want to see, ask how it's going, just reach out to us and we'll get back to you. And, you know, they, they did because I, I missed, um, I was, I was having difficulties because it was operator malfunction on this end and getting into the, there's a portal that you are able to log into to see, um, these updates. They usually will update in a portal that you will always be able to access. And, um, I couldn't get into the portal, so I couldn't, I couldn't see what was going on. And mm -hmm. so um, I just reached out, um, sent a text and I got um, immediately a response. And, and before um, the end of the day, there was a video that was texted to me to show me the updates until, uh, and then they connected me with the person to um, fix the portal issue. So I have had, I've been um, very, very pleased. And I like that open communication to be able to, to have that. I'm not talking to a virtual assistant. Um, I'm talking to people that are part of the deal um, and and they're very open. And, and then as we went in, um, there was a yearly um, investor meeting um, and not all operators do this. And these would be questions to ask, but then at the, um, at the end of each year, there's a yearly investor meeting where they go over the whole year. They go over all of the, um, you know, like a quick, overview of all the financials, where we are, are we on target, anything that we needed to do. And um, and when I say we, you know, as, because as a limited partner, I'm not involved in those decision makings. I just sit back and let them do all the work, which is, I love it. <laughs> and um, and so then you ask all your questions there and they send you, um, again, yearly, quarterly financials are uploaded into the portal that I have 24-7 um, access to. How about you, Crystal? Um, so for me, it's there's a lot, a lot of similarities for um, the property that I invested in. It was 310 unit. Also, um, it's class B. It was like a light value add. A lot of the bigger uh, capex had already been done, like the HVAC and the roof. So it was the same kind of thing. The unit turns. The um, property was like between 100 to 200 below market rents, just as it sits. So the um, same thing on the turns of the properties, the rent would increase. And the, what we've seen the most in the beginning, I believe it was actually like monthly or bi-monthly updates. But once everything's settled in and it's mm -hmm. like, okay, we're settled in, the property's flowing now. We changed out PMs, property managers. Um, they switched over to quarterly updates um, and it's quarterly email updates. I, I love the email. We get it gives a little story, has three different categories, touching on the three different categories, you know, what's going on in the CapEx and a few other things. And so it just gives me a, a nice highlight of all the detail. Um, 
anytime something significant happens, they always send that extra email when they decided to um, go through a refi, you know, they told us all that stuff. Um, and then we have the same, the investor portal, which I love. I'm very much, I like to go on there. It tells you how much you've received in um, distributions to date, um, kind of has all that detail. I'm very much about having everything in one space. So I like that. And um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the majority. And of course the open, the transparency of being able to reach out at any time was a big thing for me. And uh, I'm mm -hmm. getting the emails directly from the person that's running the um, the property and the the whole plan, the business plan, trying to make those renovation turns. So um, it feels really good to hear it right from the person that's making it all happen. Definitely, yeah. that was a good point, Candy. Not it's not like a secretary mm -hmm. or somebody. You're hearing from the people that are active in the property, and that's important. Yeah. So since you uh, briefly mentioned distributions, that's an important question some people want to know, sure. some some people entering LPs, is that you give them your money. About how long did you expect your investment to be tied up in this property? Um, and about how often do you get distributions um, back from them? Uh, good question. So for this particular property, we had wanted not too long terms. So like every investment is going to be outlined to you ahead of time. They're going to give you that offering and they'll tell you what that business plan is for um, mm -hmm. my husband and I, we wanted something on the shorter side. So this one has about a four year hold. We're mm -hmm. almost two years in right now. Um, so we know what our cash will be tied up for about four years. Mm -hmm. um, and what, was there another question, Colleen? I'm sorry. Yeah. How, how often do you receive distributions oh. back from, from your cash yeah. and your money? So for a little, it actually had changed for us at first. It was quarterly and then they switched over to another company, made it monthly. And then we recently switched back in the beginning of the year to quarterly. Mm -hmm. um, and those are just quarterly direct deposits. Uh, we have it going right to one of our savings account. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it like that's something that will vary for us. Um, we signed on being okay with quarterly. It went to monthly, then went back to quarterly uh, for different logistical reasons yeah. that they had. How about you, Candy? All of that, you know, right now, well, first of all, I just want to say it's going to be all of these distributions or it depends on the property that you're investing mm -hmm. in. They're, right. they're, and it depends on the business plan. So mm -hmm. some will be um, higher of a, on a cash flowing property and others might be more for the long term hold. Um, mm -hmm. This one that I'm in is quarterly distributions, mm -hmm. uh, which they've made. And there's also... Um, it's a five to seven year hold. And that seems to be kind of like the average. And in depending, mm -hmm. the other thing to take into consideration, like for instance, at the time that we're recording this podcast, the market is, uh, it's really interesting. I mean, people <laughs> don't know what's happening. I mean, you know, the, the, the value appreciation of real estate is just skyrocketing. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And there's all these predictions um, and we don't mm -hmm. know at the same time, interest rates are, are increasing. Um, now I remember when I was in, and this will date me when, um, I was in my, um, my early twenties, I remember interest rates being 18%. So, you know, the increase of interest rates doesn't really, me. but at the same time, you have to take into consideration that, you know, the reason that usually a property is at a five to seven year hold is that to give that leeway in case the market fluctuates, because mm -hmm want to be able to ride it out. Um, so five, that's why they say five to seven years. So let's say the interest rates 
are not exactly where they were planning to do um, on this mm -hmm. particular property I'm in. They're not doing a refi cash out, which means if you were investing in a property with that, then that would mean that you would be getting your um, a portion of your or all of your initial investment back because they're refinancing the property to get that cash to give it back to you. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, um, you know, you you predict based upon past um, ex past um, information and data what the interest rate will be and if you can do that. Um, and, you know, so that could vary. So like in, a, in the market right now, you may not, you may have a property that you, it would not be wise to recap, to do a refi. So, um, there's a lot of information that's, that's to the specific property, to the specific, uh, specific area to take in consideration. And that these are just two properties that Crystal and I are in that, um, they're slightly different. Um, and, those every time there's a big change in the way that they're going to be handling the property, um, you you should get some kind of notification. And like we had, for instance, the original property management company was doing okay that they had hired, but they really weren't performing as well as they could. And mm -hmm. so change they changed the property management in during the during the first year. Um, that sets you back just a hair because you're not able to continue doing a lot of work because you're bringing in a new company. But it, we, di we didn't get us off track. You know, they got a new company in there fast and they had an investor meeting to let us know about it. So um, there's always going to be something to learn with each deal and no deal is going to be the same. And I just want to emphasize that, that, um, there can be analysis paralysis in the beginning of being a limited partner. Mm -hmm. You can't because life happens. Um, things happen. So uh, you have to take into consideration. You can do uh, as much data work as you can and then um, and then take that leap into um, getting that experience, because when you get that experience, you'll be able to sift through. Um, deals that make you feel more comfortable as opposed to a higher risk deal. And that's just going to be your comfort level. There's a number of questions that like could pop up in between all this. Um, one thing I think I'd like to bring to attention to this conversation is you mentioned markets. And so that, um, in my experience, has been the market really does really dictate because you said like the value add versus appreciation, like an appreciation market, the distributions are going to be different type of thing. Do you want to comment on that? Because um, that's something that our listeners might not be aware of, of how much that can fluctuate um, things and the performance of a property. Oh, yeah. Totally. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I was just gonna say, yeah, that's definitely a really good point. And definitely one of the first questions I had um, when I had heard about the investment was like, okay, where is it? And why there? Um, for the particular investment that um, my husband and I are invested in, it's in El Paso, Texas. And I was like, why? Because of course, I don't, I haven't been investigating El Paso, Texas. That's the, right. the um, GP running the deal. Um, and he just quickly was like, oh, well, this is, a, we've been looking at this market. Um, someone else that he's partnered with has been looking at this market for a while. It's the fourth safest city in the country. Amazon just had a new distribution center going there. It was mm -hmm. right near, um, so you had Amazon distribution center 
you had a big medical field and an army base. So their job diversification was fabulous. It wasn't a one trick town. It had the safety behind it. Um, and of course, so that was a really big, important thing for me in this mm -hmm. being a class B property, not quite class A, but still like um, a nice property. You wanted to make sure there was enough jobs in the area that can support that type of rent. Um, and there definitely was. So like uh, Candy had mentioned, class A, I mean, the security of a property, the higher mm -hmm. the class of the property, you could say there's a little bit less, um, typically, there's a little bit less you can make the mm -hmm. more in the more um, risky the property is, there's a, always a little more upside for that. So, and that kind of relates to class A, class B, class mm -hmm. C. Of course, class A is your super fancy. B is right in the middle. C is kind of your um, outer city type of multifamily property. So uh, just to um, elaborate a little more on that. So yeah, that's a, it was really important for me to know why in the market. And of course, personally, I did my own digging too. I didn't course, just take what yeah. they said for face value. Um, even though I trusted this person, but I'm a, I'm a numbers person. I like to know, I like to see, mm -hmm. I, I like to confirm. And I think that's always an important thing for anybody to do. No matter how much you trust the person, you also will, you always will sleep better at night knowing, well, yeah, I did see that. I did at, um, at least a Google search to see, and, you know, you, confirmed it. you verified the information. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The yeah. demographics, you know, when you, when you look at, um, you know, real estate overall in, in the U S usually it tends to be the Southern coastal areas, um, that will, appreciate uh, much more. Any of the coastal properties all along the U.S. to know. When I say coast, it doesn't mean directly right. on the coast. But we're talking um, that the, the states that just are like the Southern Belt states are always really, tend to be really good properties that appreciate much faster. Now, when you go into the, the Midwest, which is a good place to invest, um, their appreciation, and, I, and to be honest with you, I don't really know why it doesn't appreciate as high um, it could just simply be the demographics of how many people are moving. Everybody wants to move where it's warmer, you know, mm -hmm. as they get older. And, and that has a good, you know, supply and demand is what creates a lot of the markets to go up. And so, you know, you really need to understand where you're investing to, un to know what to expect on the appreciation mm -hmm. aspect. And that will give you a better idea of returns. Um, and it doesn't, and the Midwest is good. Don't get me wrong on that at all. In fact, that, you know, I'm constantly looking there for, um, properties to, to, um, to purchase the, the <laughs> thing to think about there's, there's multiple variables. Um, and, right. and as Crystal touched on, you know, it's also what jobs are there to mm -hmm. support that? What jobs are there mm -hmm. for the class of property? So mm -hmm. as she touched on, you know, class A, mm -hmm. that's like luxury apartments. So that's like really high paying CEO kind of, you know, high paying executive jobs. You know, class B is, you know, like a, just slightly lower than than the, the class A, obviously. So you would have like your engineers. Class C is like good, strong working class properties. I highly recommend until you get extremely experienced do not invest in a class D. And that's because mm -hmm. those are high risk. The numbers, the returns can be really high, but think about it across any kind of investment. The high return can be more risk, even in the stock market. 
the riskier you, you are, the higher risk, the higher the chance of returns. And so invest in something that's C or above to, to get mm -hmm. a feel for the market and what your risk tolerance is um, before entering into something that may just shows like extreme returns, but you might have, you know, higher risk there as well. Any other questions? I know um, something that some of the, you know, listeners might be wondering because they might be wondering themselves, like, why, why am I investing in an LP? You know, what is the goal um, that I'm trying to achieve and can investing in an investment as an LP, can it get you there? Because that's one of the things I know I ask myself, like, okay, what am I trying to achieve? I have this cash um, and what am I trying to do with it? What's my end goal is putting this cash that I have that I worked so hard for um, in a limited partnership investment, that type of multifamily property investment, is that going to get me to where I need to be? So I think that's always a really good question for an investor to, or a potential investor to ask yourself, okay, I have this cash. What do I want to do with it? Um, and I think that also talks back to how Candy had mentioned, there's so many different types of real estate. When you have that cash in your hand and you go on that Google search and you're looking for multifamily, you go to these meetups and you hear all these things, you're going to start hearing so much about um, all the, how profitable it can be to invest actively and make, you know, but that's a huge time commitment. That's my husband and I's full-time job is our active investments. But um, that's what you need to do. You need to figure out what is your end goal? What kind of time do you have to commit? What kind of cash do you have to commit? What do you want to get out of this? So I think if you ask yourself, what's your goal? And figure out the details from the potential investment and see if it meets that goal. Um, so I think that's one of the big things that I sat down with my husband and we're like, okay, yep, this checks all the boxes, helps us meet our goal. I think that's a really big thing. Um, did you do that, Candy? Yeah, you know, the, the thing for me is that, you know, when I was investing uh, originally in, in single family and therefore I was doing all the work and mm -hmm. the ability to scale, uh, it, it would take, you know, take time, build up your, your deposit, you know, your investment for your, your, your deposit for the next property. And so with, with the multifamily, one, it takes a team. And mm -hmm. the other thing is that it is really purely passive income, meaning the only, well, the, the, the definition of passive means really not doing anything. So it, with that being said, I did need to be active and doing my due diligence in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I need to participate in the meetings when they talk about the property that I've invested in. But mm -hmm. as far as like taking care of the tenants, making sure the roof is not leaking, fixing yeah. anything, I don't have to do any of that. And I'll tell you, there are times that, you know, I'm walking in. My closet's um, leaking. <laughs> yeah. My toilet doesn't work. It broke. Yeah. I don't know how it broke. In the, mid the middle, of, middle of the night, you get a call saying the furnace isn't working. You cringe. You know, who's am I going to be able to get somebody there so these people stay warm? The um, person next door is too loud. <laughs> oh, Lord, yes. We get that. <laughs> so true. And, you know, and it's exactly that, like the thoughts I was having in my head after being in my, my, this LP for about eight months, I was like, wow, I really mm -hmm. like this yeah, because I'm, I'm making money. And I, all I did was the initial due diligence and everybody else is doing the work. And it's like, oh, mm -hmm. this is what passive income is. Yeah. I tell you, it's nice. I really, 
I really like it. I really like it. I know for, for Ted and I, like our long-term goal is for our, we'll consider ourselves like retired when we have sold all of our active investments and put them into passive investments because it's, you're still getting that cash. You're still getting, you know, that mailbox money, that check that comes either monthly or quarterly. You're still going to get that capital back to go back in. And we figure by the time we're ready to like, you know, just be over the whole working thing and just be retired. That's exactly what our goal is to always have that. So we're always still keeping our toe in the real estate bucket because we just enjoy it so much. Um, but like Candy said, you just sit back and you read the emails and you hear the updates and you just enjoy that mailbox money or that email coming deposit. It's, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. And the, the other thing that's really great about it is that when you think about it, you're just, com just comparing it to, to like investing into the stock market. Let's yeah. say you're investing to a company and then they sell and you get dividends, but you don't get to share in the profit that that company sold for. And that's what I love about multifamily because these larger properties, they're worth a lot of money. And when they sell, and you know, you can force appreciation, which is by fixing them up, it creates more income, which therefore the property has more value. It's not like single family where, oh, the house down the street sold for this and this house over here sold for that and that one over here. And those compar car comparables therefore make the value of my property. It's a totally different, um, a pre it's almost, it's nothing is is 100% predictable, but it is a very predictable market. And if, and you have more control in the multifamily space. And that's what I really like about it is that you also get to share in that profit. And that's what makes this to me, and in addition to you get the, it's like five paydays that you get. Yeah. You get your mm -hmm. equity. You build up equity because you're paying off the, the mortgage. You get your, your if it's a cash um, flowing property that you've invested in, you get the cash, which is what most of us think about. You also get the tax benefits. Um, and then, oh my gosh, my brain just went. What are the other two? <laughs> the important ones. <laughs> You're beating yeah. inflation. Um, yeah. And... And there is one well, you're more. You're investing in a hard asset too. I mean, you have that yeah, underlying property, asset. Yeah. You, yeah. You, that just, it's different in my opinion, like than investing in a stock that's not tangible. It's not, mm -hmm. the, it's just not yeah. the same. Yeah. And it's, a, you I, know, and it's an investment. It's just different. Definitely. And for me, I think, Candy, you hit it perfectly when you said the control, because when my husband and I stopped and thought, okay, like, are we going to, should we dip our toe in the stock market? Should we put this large sum into um, stocks that we love and we believe in? But then it came back to the the ability to control because that was a big thing that um, I know I've mentioned a few times on this podcast. Robert Kiyosaki mentions, you know, the most important thing is to be able to control it. And while you aren't solely as a passive investor controlling it in a way that you're not making the decisions, but there is, you're putting that faith and trust in the control in the hands of somebody that you trust. So there is a person at that steering wheel that is controlling it, that is forcing depreciation by adding the value. And that control is definitely what made me feel more comfortable investing in multifamily real estate as opposed to the stock market, because you just never know. You can wake up tomorrow, the stock's crash and it's gone. But I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and then all of a sudden the property that we have is no longer uh, cash flowing because people still live places and people still have to pay rent. 
during COVID, you know, where did the government put the money? All of the bailout, a lot of that went to helping people stay in their homes, helping businesses pay their rents. Um, and that, that was a big, you know, a big flag for me there. The big, okay, so this is, this is a priority. People need to have a roof over their head. That's what the government knows and cares about. So it was the control and the security in it that mm -hmm. really set me over the top. Yeah, good point, good point. Well, this has been a great conversation. I feel like we could go on all day. <laughs> Seriously. constantly. <laughs> but I guess we should probably wrap this up for today. Um, we would just like to say thank you to you, our listeners, for joining us at the roundtable today. And if you want to learn out more, you can check out us. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or visit our website at therealestatewomen.com. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not licensed professionals and do not give investment advice, tax advice, or other professional advice. Please consult a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.